Welcome to the Warrior Women Project podcast, helping you become a warrior woman, sort your shit and find better balance in your life. So welcome to another episode of Warrior Women Project podcast. This is Warrior Women Jen here and today I have got Pamela Wendell on to chat to us. Now I came across Pamela when I was doing a bit of research on female hormones and what the hell was going on in my body when I decided to come off the pill back in November last year. I heard a podcast um, with her and came across her again on social media more recently and thought, yes, I need to get Pamela on to have a chat. So Pamela, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> so if you could introduce the listeners to who you are and what it is that you actually do to give them better clarity on my rambled description. Yeah, so yeah, I'm um, a woman's health coach, sort of integrated woman's health coach, really. Um, and what that means is that I integrate um, like lifestyle medicine and functional nutrition diagnostic testings around hormones and gut health and also I'm a hypnotherapist and NLP practitioner. Um, NLP is short for neuro-linguistic programming which it basically it's a set of tools to help manage anxiety or stress or trauma. Um, quite fast techniques um, and my background in health and fitness. I was a personal trainer for many many years um, for clubs in Nottingham and did some private work as well so that's basically what I am and um, I'm really passionate about women's health and empowering women to take control of their own health and age you know strong physically and mentally and spiritually as well um, putting all that together so yeah that's what I do yeah you've got a a good um, toolkit there to help help women deal with the insides and the outsides. Yeah, for definite. Yeah, so as I was saying in my introduction to you, I came off the pillow back in November last year. I got diagnosed with Crohn's disease in March last year. And I was put on really strong immune suppressant drugs and steroids and various other chemotherapy nasty drugs. Um, and in my my decision as soon as I got diagnosed was I need to not be on medication for the rest of my life because that's what they were telling me I was going to be. So when I started researching potential causes for Crohn's and potential cures and things like that, one of the things that I'd come across was long-term use of oral contraceptions can cut can disrupt the gut microbiome. And there was, I think, a small study, but it was 57% of women who'd come off the pill had found that their Crohn's had gone into remission. So I asked my consultant about this. But because it was a small number of people in the study, he was like, there's not enough evidence for it. I would rather you just stayed on the pill because we won't know then whether or not it's you coming off the pill or the medication that's helping you get better. And to me, I was just like, sorry, what? <laughs> I was too ill at the time to argue with him. So I just mm. I went, right, okay. So I waited, but by November something inside me my intuition was screaming at me don't go back on because I was on the combined pill so I was 21 days on seven days off and it was just my intuition was screaming at me don't go back on it you don't want to do this anymore so I just didn't and I'm now off all my Crohn's meds meds amazing could be a coincidence because there was other things that added to it but I 
my monthly cycle feels normal. <laughs> which, is, which is, you think that's really bizarre that I feel normal, but I didn't realise that I didn't feel normal. Yeah, exactly. Do you know, mm. you know what that would be? Yeah. What are, what are your thoughts on the oral contraceptive pill? It's really difficult, um, really, because, you know, who am I to tell a woman that she shouldn't take precaution and she mm. shouldn't go on the pill? Yeah. You know, so it is a really hard decision to make because having, you know, lots of child, children along our, our you know, lifespan, <laughs> children isn't great for us either yeah um now obviously there are other precautions that you can use that aren't synthetic um that you can take as well and obviously the natural precaution is abstination isn't it um but understanding your menstrual cycle would help with that Mm. um so with that with that said However, I think when the pill was introduced in the 1950s, it was revolutionary and it gave women a lot of um, empowerment. They could choose when they wanted to have babies, they could go out to work. Um, However, we know now it's actually, it's just terrible for women. Mm. It it allows us to act like men because we we don't have those troughs and falls hormonally which is part of being a woman and you know when we're about to start a period you know both of those hormones those dominant hormones anyway so estrogen and and progesterone are low and that's almost like a a, a internal inbuilt response for us women to take time out yeah to rest you're listening to your body you know not go and do that spin class that day or Mm do a half marathon that day it is to rest you know those five days that you're bleeding is to take time out and rest and why that nature has developed that is because when we get to postmenopause, we need the building blocks our adrenal glands produce those hormones so if we're not paying attention to those natural changes of within our menstrual cycle then when we get to menopause, we have nothing left. All our reserves have gone because we've, over, we've overused it. So when we're on the pill, we don't have those peaks and troughs. We don't have low energy. We don't have that real surge of excitement when, you know, when you're just about to ovulate. Excitement, that bit of flirtatious, motivation, energy levels go up around day 13 14 you don't have that on the pill because it's a flat liner isn't it you don't yeah. have that at yeah. all um so you know and i don't know it's looked down on in society that we do have that but i think it needs to change because being on the pill particularly long term has a detrimental effect on your health your well-being how you transition into menopause mm. all of that will have a, and, and for you as well as an autoimmune response yeah. as well you know even worse yeah and that so i do think if you're going on the pill maybe you do it for a short space of time um, or look at alternatives really understand and learn about what our menstrual cycle is you know it's not just a five days you're bleeding on it's a rest month and a lot of women don't know that information yeah because we're not taught that 
Like you're so yeah. I remember at school when there would be girls that would be in agony with cramps or really heavy bleeds or things like that and we would go to PE and they would have a note and the teacher would just be like, It's just your period, go and do a PE. You you've got to do this, you've still got to show up and be expected to perform the way you you do every other day. Yeah, and I remember that at school as well. It wasn't it wasn't enough. Um and the sad thing about that is that young girls at thirteen and fourteen put on the pill of age to regulate or to normalize their menstrual cycle because they're having heavy periods and cramps and they're having um you know old acne and what they don't realize is that it's just awful puberty lasts until age 19 so when you take the pill you're literally menopausal you're switching off your own ovaries you're putting them into redundancy at 14 years old so that young girl that went on the pill at 14 she gets to 34 been on the pill for two decades already yeah she wants to get pregnant at 34 and she'll struggle because Mm. her ovaries have been been switched off yeah and and not just that, she'd probably struggle with depression and anxiety and and who knows, maybe even bone health problems earlier than she should have been yeah. as a result of being prescribed the pill. Yeah, there, if there was somebody listening to this just now who maybe has a daughter or somebody that's around that age and is having like bad periods, and some people see it's a genetic thing, some people think it's an environmental thing. Like, there's other ways to try and help regulate. What sort of tips would you give them to make things a bit easier if they were struggling with bad periods? Yeah, I mean, balancing a young girl's uh, menstrual cycle hormones is is slightly different to a woman who's, you know, 35, 45 plus. But this, like you just said, the environmental things that can contribute it you know so starting with the diet definitely what is she putting on her skin on a regular basis you know young girls wear makeup to school don't they nowadays whereas you know when I was at school that was you just couldn't wear makeup to school you'd be in detention or something yeah yeah (laughs) yeah definitely so you know she's applying makeup every single day makeup um, absorbed through the through the skin into the bloodstream and and in those cosmetics there's something called um, xenoestrogens mm. you probably heard of I've heard um, them recently yeah yeah oh, okay so xenoestrogens are anything so um, pesticides so processed food or foods that are highly laden with pesticides so fruits and vegetables. You might want to look up foods caught on the um, Dirty Dozen list. And they're 12 foods that are really highly laden with pesticides. And I think strawberries from there and um, spinach. So either buy them organic if you can, but if not, I would avoid them, have other things Mm. or don't have them regularly. um, Because that will cause autoimmune disorders as well. Yeah. so pesticides, parabens. So parabens are chemicals in makeup, shampoo, plastic water bottles. And so we absorb those through our skin and into the bloodstream. And what it does, it binds to our own 
um, estrogen receptors that are in our bodies it binds to that and then creates more estrogen now estrogen and progesterone both need to be in balance and it's when it's out of balance that is the problem so a young girl might be she might probably have got a balance in terms of estrogen estrogen and, and progesterone but then she's adding more estrogen things into yeah. a body every day and that's what's causing the heavy bleeding so when you have more estrogen compared to progesterone it causes heavy bleeding and painful periods painful breasts um, mood alterations so a bit aggressive Estrogen is a wonderful hormone, but when it's out of balance with progesterone, it, it just causes havoc. Yeah, and I think it's only been in recent years that I myself have really realised the stuff that's in, like our shampoos and body lotions and things like that. And you go, oh yeah, that goes onto your skin, so it's going into your bloodstream, but you don't realise the stuff that's in them because they're on a shelf in a shop, so you think they should be fine yeah exactly and even there's more research coming out about you know um detergents mm. that we use and um you know your comforts and things like that soften um softeners uh you know those are absolutely terrible i mean i personally just use all natural products now um you know really stripped back on those shelves in the supermarket and actually it's good for your purse as well to be honest because yeah. those things are so expensive <laughs> so you know you're not instead of buying like how many products do you have in your cupboard right now you know yeah. to clean your house to wash your clothes perfumes and makeup you know you know how much chemicals are you putting on within yourself on yourself never mind the food yeah um, that are covered in pesticides as well Yes, we're just surrounded by things that are knocking our hormones out of balance. And that'd be, that would be why so many people now, you hear of having adrenal fatigue syndrome, chronic fatigue syndrome, um, like even ME, as just there's so many people now that you hear have got these problems. And it's these, these environmental factors getting added into the medicines we're getting given, get added into the food that we're given that's burning our bodies out so much faster. Exactly. I mean, you know, it's not about we live in a we live in this world, don't we? Yeah. Where we wear makeup and all those other things, but it's about reducing as much as you can and being in control of that. So not being really paranoid about everything and to the extreme. It's about balance and doing what you can to look after yourself and your hormones and your children's hormones and partners husbands or wives or whatever hormones as well um you know just by reducing what you wash your clothing that's going to have a huge impact on your family's health altogether but the pill has you know it's linked to depression there's lots of research showing that it's linked to depression one because which you mentioned it it, it impacts the gut microbiome so your beneficial bacteria yeah it can cause something called SIBO which is small intestinal small intestinal bacterial overgrowth and so your small intestines is where you absorb most of your b vitamins which help promote healthy brain function so helps balance mood and um so what 
um, the pill can do and also antibiotics, um, what it can do is can cause sebum. So it can cause bacteria overgrowth in the small intestines and you don't want that there at all. Because if you have it there, it will stop you making the neurotransmitters to make healthy brain and to make, um, you know, to balance your mood as well. Yeah. So where we do need healthy bacteria is in the large intestines and that is where we need it. We also need fibre, so a diet in lots of green vegetables will help so that young girl or woman is struggling with heavy bleeding, she wants to have lots of lean, greasy vegetables because that will help that yeah. create that balance um, between oestrogen and, and progesterone and reduce the heavy bleeding. Yeah. And then would that be the same for women that are at the other end heading towards menopause or are just going into menopause if they are increasing their leafy greens? Does that help balance things out on the other side so that when you're going into the decline and hitting menopause, you don't have as severe symptoms? Yeah, well, yeah. Mm. So with women who go the other side, <laughs> that's definitely a plus. But um, having leafy green, green, leafy green vegetables. So it depends. So it depends what what the main symptom is because it's so tricky when it comes to that woman of the other side because low levels of estrogen can cause um you know dryness dry eyes vaginal dryness mm. it can also cause hot sweats as well yeah but also low progesterone can cause hot sweats and so can high levels of estrogen as in um environmental estrogen like we just talked about xenoestrogen also can cause hot sweats so you need to treat that woman very different and this is why um going on hrt for women isn't always best because it's there isn't a one size fits all depends what's going on in you Mm. that you need to kind of help and treat and heal so in terms of if she's struggling with heavy bleeding definitely it's definitely low levels of progesterone and high levels of estrogen yeah um so you know what we want to do cortisol i don't know if you've heard of the estrogen progesterone steel so cortisol will steal your ability to make progesterone so we're looking at managing stress there's a feedback loop within the body um in the brain it then has an impact on your adrenal glands and then your ovaries thyroid and there's a big feedback loop so stress starts in the brain any form of stress so even if it's you've skipped a meal today that would be a signal in the brain that tells the body that it's stress um being perimenopause so if you're not having enough estrogen to reach ovulation that is stress so stress is um, a, a lot of things, you know, obviously physical pain, emotional trauma and pain, that's also stress, but it is everything. Yeah. And so, you know, if that woman is perimenopause leading into menopause, the first thing you need to do, crucial, is find out what is causing the stressor. Yeah. Okay, because that will impact your hormones um so progesterone will sorry cortisol which is our stress relating hormone will stop you producing 
the right amount of progesterone. So even if you're 35, 45, and your progesterone levels are declining, but stress will accelerate that that decline. Yeah. So for you, having an autoimmune disorder would actually accelerate your progesterone levels because it was it, it was causing internal stress to your yeah. body yeah. silently and mm-hmm. silent stress is the worst isn't it yeah. we don't know what it is yeah so the first thing is to find out what is is stressed in the body whether it is something internal or external factors and then that will help bring that balance up yeah. of estrogen and progesterone and then eating leafy green vegetables absolutely but for the woman that is struggling with dryness she doesn't want to eat too much of those because it will dry her out even more okay yep that makes sense yeah because it it does it helps to get rid of estrogen so for her that woman that's struggling with dry eyes vaginal, vaginal dryness um she'd probably be better off having some but less than 35 grams a day of leafy green vegetables and having more of the other estrogen which is called phytoestrogens which is plant-based estrogen foods so very similar to the xenoestrogens the chemicals these plant-based estrogens bind to our own receptors of estrogen increase estrogen naturally inside however it wouldn't show up on a blood test or anything but you might feel the benefits you're likely to feel the benefits of having eaten those but again it's all about balancing your stress levels so what types of foods would that be oh so um lentils pulses flax seeds um yeah sort of those plant these foods yeah yeah with nourishing ones that warm your heart and soul yeah (laughs) yeah but for you know for a woman that's struggling with endometriosis she doesn't want to have those in abundance similar to the woman that's struggling with um with dryness sorry with hot sweats she doesn't want to have too much of those because it increases estrogen you want to go for the other foods that take estrogen away which would be your green leafy vegetables that's why it's so tricky yeah it's so it's more tricky at menopausal ends than it is at early periods yes it is yeah because because of that and because obviously we've been around longer we've had more (laughs) toxins we've had a lot more stress in our lives yeah yeah so it's it's we have to go much deeper when it comes to that 35 plus woman, 40 plus woman. So what's the best way then for somebody to find out where they're at with this? Yeah, I think the best place to start is with documenting what you're eating. Definitely, you know, doing a food diary, even if it's just a week's diary. A lot of people see things when they start to write it down. Oh, yeah. Much eating very much, or you know, I'm eating very late, or I feel like this when I eat. So, documenting you know what you have every day, um, what you drink every day when you have it, how did you feel when you had those things, mm. how did you feel before and afterwards, you know, emotionally, physically, did you have any bloating, were you feeling a bit anxious, you know, and just seeing it on paper 
is for a lot of women when I work with clients is really um, informative and they can start to see things themselves you know yeah. because life gets in the way and we just go busy doing one day to the next aren't we yeah without stopping to think so you know doing it for a minimum of a week longer would be better because you'd get a bit more idea of what you're what you're eating so when you've done that you want to look for patterns so if you're still having a menstrual cycle so you're still having you know a period every 28 days or so then then you you might want to link that to your food diary as well mm. the other thing you can do as well and i really think this is so important i've been doing it for the past three years and you can start to see when things are starting to change hormonally so on day one of your period so day one is the first day that you start your menstrual cycle yeah so that's day one of that cycle yeah yeah so you start bleeding and then you should bleed no less than two days if you're bleeding less than two days then that is a bit of a red flag okay so one or two days that's a red flag and we want to know where that estrogen is going where where is it going is it being recirculated in the body and putting you at risk of some estrogen dominant cancers okay yeah so so ideally you want to bleed for three to five days seven days at the most any more than that again that's not normal yeah yeah um so say you bleed for five days now your estrogen and progesterone sorry estrogen starts to climb up above after five days um so around about day 10 it's getting higher and higher and like i said you start to feel a bit more motivated energy levels are increasing it's all about reaching ovulation and our ovaries are a source of energy um so that's where we feel we should feel good then yeah. So even knowing this information is really good because if you yeah, don't feel good, yeah, then there's something wrong. There's some imbalance there. Yeah. So you should feel really, really good, really energetic, really outgoing. Um, so you reach ovulation. Um, and then as we go down to the other side of our menstrual cycle, progesterone levels should rise. Now, progesterone is our anti-anxiety hormone. So again, if you're feeling low the other side, that's an indication that something's stealing your progesterone. Mm. Yeah. So yeah. what what's going on there? So you could do some. You could do like a body temperature. So you can look at your body temperature because within that 28 days, your body temperature is low at the first half of your menstrual cycle so day one to day 14 before you reach ovulation your numbers should be around about 36.1 it bobs around those low numbers 36.1.2.3.4.5 yeah um and then when you reach ovulation there's a spike so it should be like 36.7 or something so that is an indication that you've reached ovulation yeah and then after that, until you start your next period, the numbers stay high. So 36.6 up to 36.9 bobs around around those numbers um, until you reach day 27 
and then on day 28 the numbers should drop again and that's the start of your period yeah yeah yeah. So if you did that alongside a food diary for 28 days, yeah. you would have an indication of what's going on in the hormone level. Yeah, yeah. Super, super empower, empowering, I think. Yeah, and you can get a um, thermometer for just a couple of pounds at the chemist. You can, yeah, you can. And so I think there's even apps that you can use as well. I mean, I don't know how accurate they are at all. But, um, you know, I'm not saying do it forever like I did because mm-hmm. I, I quite enjoyed it and I can see when things are starting to change myself. Yeah. Um, so you, what you need to do is so it's your basal body temperature. So it's your temperature upon waking in the morning before you speak. Literally, don't move, reach over to the side of your bed and get your yeah. thermometer and take your body temperature first thing in the morning. Uh, if you've had alcohol the night before, that will skew, that will skew the results. So put yep. a little asterisk there when you, you know, you've had alcohol the night before. Um, the other thing, if you've got a temperature, so if you've got a virus of some sort, then that's obviously going to skew the results as well. But again, just put a little asterisk next to it. Yeah, that was something that I did when I first came off the pill because that was the that was my method of contraception. I decided that I was going to go with the temperature, but when I measured my temperature for like the first couple of months and it didn't change, but that could have been because I had just come off the pill. Whereas mm. if I maybe tried it now, when things feel a bit more settled, a bit more normal, I probably find that there would be a change in it. Yeah, like, yeah. May go back to that, start tracking it. Again. Yeah, so, it's know, really good. It's yeah. really good. I mean, my clients, uh, their number, their numbers don't fall into that pattern, and yeah. they are having hormone in a balance, you know. And you can also tell you about your thyroid health. So even if the numbers are really low in the first half before you reach ovulation, if they're below thirty six point one, then that's an indication of you know a thyroid issue. Yeah, so it's really informative. Um, I mean, if you look on the internet, it'll say that it's not. 100% it's not 100% but however you you're looking at your body yeah what's normal for you and what your pattern yeah. yeah 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 I think the more knowledge and the more aware we become of our of ourselves and how we function throughout the day and how throughout the month gives us so much information and so much power that you can't get when you go to the doctors because they're seeing a t- seven minute snapshot of your life and hearing a few symptoms where if you can track things and then you have a much broader spectrum of information you're going to get a better idea so that if you are going to the doctor and say right over the month this is what's happening so they can maybe if they're a good doctor and they're inclined to look at that they then have more data to go off of rather than just this what you remember when you go into the zero yeah exactly yeah and you know I've had um people come to me and they've been to the GP had those you know they had the blood tests um and I'll say well when in your cycle did you have the test and they go oh um I think I, I think it was like day 17 or day 26 right okay well you know, there needs to be, there's a window of opportunity when you have to have these tests. It's day 19. Yeah. Five days or five days after you, you you reach ovulation, whatever that is for you, depending on how long your menstrual cycle is. So, you know, just even that, you know, if you're going to have your blood test done by a GP, you need to have it done at the right time. 
Yeah. Um, and I've had women that have had the tests done and tests come back normal. However, within themselves, they don't feel right. They're missing periods. You know, they're still missing periods. But however, the blood test said that nothing's changed, you know, that you aren't menopausal or whatever. Yeah. And they know within themselves and they go away and, and they still know that something's not right. So this is when I then do further testing, go into and have a look at what literally is happening yeah it's one of my friends was 11 months and she hadn't had a period and she was going to the gp and they kept randomly doing blood tests and then going everything's normal everything's normal and then eventually she started bleeding after 11 months and she then bled for nearly a whole month and they were still saying everything's normal it's like clearly it's not like that's not normal how can just because a blood test comes back normal it's not. I need to put it in touch with you, actually. <laughs> mm. but the blood test only measures whether you have enough oestrogen to reach ovulation. That's what they're measuring. Yeah. It doesn't measure your progesterone levels. Yeah. Because that's the thing. If progesterone levels are low, you yeah. know. It's not going to show up in your blood test. Yeah. Yeah. They don't measure that. Yeah. So what's, what would the further testing be that you would do with somebody? What that okay, so... Yeah, so the test I do, which is fairly new to the UK, it's called the Dutch test. So it's dry, I always forget what it is, dry urine, complete hormonal test. Um, And so it's, um, yeah, it's a a 24-hour test that you wee on. Um, It's a bit like tissue paper that you wee on. And there's five sample kits in total. Um, But you only use number five if you wake in the night. So if you wake up in the night, then you do a sample then. But if not, you just do a sample upon waking. Um, So the company that I use is called Regenerous. They're based in London. And their sister company is in America called Dutch um, Position. Their sister company. So the test is a dry urine sample. And so what it gives me, so it looks at your levels, which is one thing. So it looks at your levels of estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. Also melatonin, which helps us sleep. Um, also gives me your B12, which is linked to mood. Yeah. Energy production as well. Um, B6. Um, glutathione which is um, the mother of antioxidants which protects your immune system so you want to have lots of those so it gives me um, levels of those also it tells me about dopamine serotonin and so dopamine if you don't know is our reward hormone so whether you eat lots of chocolate um then you get some reward from that and it spikes your dopamine levels in your brain yeah so that's dopamine and serotonin is linked to our mood so we've got high levels of of serotonin we'll feel happy if we have too high levels of dopamine we feel wacky because dopamine is like taking it's like smoking cocaine you just start hallucinating that that's like the far end of that Extreme. <laughs> yeah. um, and then it looks at neuroepinephrine and nepinephrine, which are two um, neurotransmitters that help us stay calm. So if they are high, you might struggle with racing heart, um, sort of 
um, diarrhea, sort of really, really anxious, like feeling like you're on the edge because it's about fight or flight. So um, it looks at those and looks at DNA damage as well. But it also, when it goes, when we look at hormones, it's all related to hormones, even all those things, yeah. hormones impact them. Um, and so it looks like how your body is metabolizing, so how your body's using estrogen, are you at risk of developing brittle bones? You know, where your estrogen levels are, are you at risk of developing estrogen dominant cancers? We can see that on the test. When it looks at progesterone again we can look at if you don't have enough progesterone the right progesterone um are you at risk of developing anxiety for instance or is this why you struggling with anxiety so it really goes down the um testosterone you need testosterone for a healthy um, sex drive motivation but it also goes down a little bit further and looks at something called androgens which is a building blocks for testosterone um so it looks at that but so for if a woman's struggling with um pcos or thinning hair or um insulin resistance so that belly fat facial hair acne that's what we that's what we're looking at in terms of testosterone on that test it looks at that um so it's really really informative it also tells me about adrenal health as well Mm. so adrenals so we don't look at adrenals in isolation it's all related back to the brain that's where it all comes from um so we look at adrenal health so we can see whether you potentially going up down that tunnel of adrenal dysregulation fatigue whatever you want to call it but you know look at that and it also gives me an indication about your thyroid health as well so a lot of people um have had the test just thinking about one client in particular where everything was low really really low on the test results and it was quite frightening and she was still training to, to do a half marathon um you know i remember seeing the test results thinking oh god you know how is she how is she doing it you know, in the first place <laughs> yeah. Um, and so for her, when she got the results, um, I think it was sort of a realisation that she couldn't actually carry on yeah. doing that to her body. Cause she, it, was yeah, she was She was out. literally on the edge yeah. of burning out, yeah. but wasn't listening. Yeah, yeah. So seeing it on paper for her was like, yeah, I need to, I need to stop this now. Yeah, so once you get those results back, you then work individually with each client to see if this is what's going on. This is the plan that we can put in place, whether it's the nutrition plan, even exercise, because obviously too intense exercise can be as detrimental as no exercise. Exactly. Supplements and things like that that they need to take. Yeah. So often we just go, oh, this supplement's good for this and this supplement's good for that. But if you're taking the wrong wrong supplements for for what you think is wrong for you, you could be doing more damage. Yeah, supplements are you they're strong. They're strong stuff. And yeah, you need to be careful when you're taking supplements and also you know, the high street supplements as well, got a lot of fillers in them. Mm. So they could be harmful. To be honest, I always start with food. Um always start with the gut health, gut microbiome. And I see loads of people taking probiotics, but they're still eating sugar and they're still Mm. drinking alcohol. Yeah. 
and they're still still having gluten and think well you're wasting your money just don't bother yeah. you know don't bother taking a probiotic instead eat fermented food cut those things out and then you'll really get some change happening yeah yeah there's so many we we protocols that if you don't know them you can potentially be either wasting money or worse causing yourself some harm absolutely you can yeah so it's definitely always better to speak to somebody like yourself that has all this knowledge that can then guide you in the right direction so that you're not wasting money and hurting yourself yeah. yeah. Do you recall a, a client a while back who had, she'd spent, I think like she said, nearly a thousand pounds on supplements. She probably read this blog, probably yeah. saw this, spoke, spoke to a friend, you know, this is what you need to do to manage your menopausal symptoms. And she had a drawer full of stuff mm. that she'd taken. They worked for a little bit, they didn't work stop working after a while yeah um and so she worked with me for i think a couple of months past three months it was and she she was sleeping better she was coping with work she wasn't feeling anxious anymore yeah and you know i didn't i hardly added any supplements in at all it was yeah. just about eating right yeah. yeah teaching her how to rest really rest you know yeah, something that we're so bad at. Yeah, yeah. And nowadays, you know, we're just so stressed all the time and, you know, spending time on our mobile phones, computers, not getting enough daylight, just simple things like that. Yeah. Changing that can make a huge difference. You don't have to start buying lots of supplements. Let's start with the groundwork first. Yeah. That's it. It's always just, what's the magic pill? What's the quick fix so that I can keep the lifestyle that I'm going that's actually really damaging? But if I add the supplements and I can keep going, no, that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the pill for some women, not the pill, HRT is a magic, it's a magic pill that, you, you know, you talked about. I can keep going my lifestyle. I'll take the pill yeah. and I can still keep going doing the things I want to do. You know, you don't have to have a period. You can wear white trousers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For was, every day of the month yeah that was one of the, the things that kept me on the pill for so long was I was a fitness instructor and I was terrified that if I came off the pill I would start getting heavy periods because my mum had a history of heavy periods um, towards particularly towards the end of um, before she went into menopause and I was like I can't do that I mean it just doesn't fit with my work lifestyle but then I ended up getting really sick from it so <laughs> it's like ah oh lessons <laughs> yeah, yeah. But turning it all around now by let's starting to listen to my body and taking rest when I need it and going within that cycle and because I've only just started tracking myself recently just like yep this information is actually really powerful this information is really useful yeah I think it's empowering yeah it is. When I wake up, my numbers are low. I think, oh yeah, I've started my period today. That's why I don't feel that great today. This is this is the first day of my period. Yeah, and just giving yourself permission to know that that's okay. Yeah, that's acceptable. To push through, and I suppose it's harder for people who are employed and work where they're expected to show up mm. and do whatever it is that they're doing. Because when you're self-employed, you've got a little bit more freedom to 
go, oh, that day's my period, so I'm not going to book myself in to go and do a talk or do anything that's yeah. particularly emotionally or mentally strenuous. You can, yeah. you can work around it, which yeah. is good for us. Because I know, um, I think I was reading somewhere recently in India, they still to this day let women take the first day of their period as a day off. That they honour that as a thing. Amazing. Yeah. I know that more and more women are doing that now. In fact, I was doing a, a talk a couple of weeks ago um, at a conference in Derbyshire and I started my period the day before and so I literally didn't want to go because yeah. I didn't feel like great. <laughs> um, and so I said, I told my partner, I said, so I started my period and he said, Damn, this is the night before. And he said, are you, you going to tell them? He started a period, and I'm like, no, I'm not. And he said, Well, I've been reading that women are starting to do this, starting to tell the managers that they started a period. And I thought, You know what? I'm going to say it. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> that I started my period yesterday. <laughs> and you know, it's about being the change that you want to see in the world. And yeah. so I did. And yeah. so people, you know, I could see their faces and some of them were like that. But then when I started explaining why, um, why you were you know, they were all in agreement. <laughs> yeah. Like sometimes there's too much information. Sometimes there's necessary information. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. That was necessary. And I think but I really wanted to make a point. Yeah, but I think we're, we're brought up in this culture of your period's a bad thing, it's a dirty thing, it's mm. it's a horrible thing, it's an icky thing, we don't talk about it. It's You used to, like, I remember being at school and hiding a tampon up my sleeve as I was running to the toilets and didn't want anybody to know, and it's that embarrassment that comes around it, but that's something that we've been taught, so all we need to do is unteach it. And the way we unteach it is about talking about it and going, you know what, this isn't icky, it isn't dirty, it's normal it's a beautiful thing yeah exactly it's going to happen whether you want it or not I know and the thing is though what people don't realize that women don't realize that or men that having a period a regular menstrual cycle means that you're healthy yeah it's like your immune health mm. your brain health yeah you know, all of that and when we get to perimenopausal years and, you know, when we move into menopause, a lot of women go, oh, God, thank that, you know, thank God that I don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, I can understand that. But then, you know, you have to step up the self-care. Yeah. Because while you were having those menstrual cycles, while you were bleeding, while you had those hormones in abundance, they were also protecting you as well. Yeah. They were protecting your immune system, they were protecting your brain, your bones, your heart. So yeah, yeah, you you're no longer doing that monthly thing and it's expensive and perhaps inconvenient. However, it doesn't mean you um have to just, you know, forget your health. This yeah. is now when you have to step it up even more so if you want to remain healthy as you age. Yeah. And I know some. I know some women who, even though they've gone through the, the they're in their menopause and they haven't bled for a number of years, they still go through a hormonal cycle throughout the month where there's some days where they feel more agitated and other days where they feel really energized. And I've Neither. said, I've said to women, I'm like that. Track this because you could you'll still be on a cycle of some sort. Although you're not bleeding, you're still a woman who has hormones, who has fluctuations, and 
when we track it, it's like, oh yeah, that is a monthly thing that's happening with my energy or whatever it is. So it's like, still, no, we're still wonderful. going. We're still going. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, our hormones do taper off the, you know, the longer we live without, um, you know, being having those hormones that do taper off but it's great it's great to hear that that the women are doing that yeah. even if she's post-menopause you know on that on the dutch test that i do or you know i've had clients that are post-menopause so even with those we can look at so she's struggling with weight gain around the middle and she's struggling to shift it just seeing what your cortisol levels are yeah it's super powerful she's struggling with sleep looking at um your b12 because that will that helps sleep mm. um sort of eastern as well you know the pathways to to making melatonin so that we sleep well yeah. is influenced by um tryptophan your b12 iron level your, your iron level in your body um estrogen and serotonin Yep. All of those influence your ability to make melatonin. So if someone's struggling with sleep, will we go work backwards? Okay, is she eating enough tryptophan foods? Okay, if she is, then is she able to metabolise it? So we'll go to the gut mm. with that as well. Yeah. Look at optimal obs- um, absorption. So we do that. And then we go, okay, what's going, what's her eye levels are like? Let's measure those. Is she absorbing them? You absorb those in your small intestines. Yeah. Is she eating enough foods with iron in it? Again, to go again, metabolism. So hopefully when we're working with tryptophan, looking at gut health, that will also sort that out. Um, and then B6 as well, foods, that also help make serotonin. Um, and then hopefully that would make well not hopefully it does make serotonin but and then melatonin but then we want to look at if the cortisol levels are really high then it's going to impact all that anyway so it's it's really (laughs) complex but it's like it's it's yeah i think understanding the pathways is really good what's what's the root cause so the presenting symptoms is i can't sleep i can't lose weight i've got no energy that's what the percent and if you went to your gp i mean i do try to work alongside with gps but if you went to your gp they would prescribe you um sleep tablets so you're suppressing the symptom yeah yeah you can't lose weight well they don't prescribe anything do they exercise more but actually uh, cortisol levels are really high and that's going to make that even worse um if you're stuck with anxiety depression we'll take this take this drug to suppress those symptoms however if we work backwards yeah we want to go well what's 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 the trigger what's causing this in the first place yeah yeah it's fascinating oh, so good. i could talk to you all day i just got like a million questions i'm like that oh what does this now what does that and i'm very aware that we've already been on for an hour and i'm like no that's too much an to hour Oh, this is what's going on. It's like, shit, how did that happen? <laughs> oh my God, I didn't realize we've been on for an hour. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we have. It's been oh, so good, so good, so good. Right, so if people listening to this want to know how to work with you or get in touch with you or see what else it is you do, where are the best places for them to find you? 
Okay, so you can find me on social media. Yeah. Um, my favourite place to hang out these days is definitely Instagram. Yeah. Um, love Instagram. So on Instagram, I'm Pamela Windle, hormone coach. Thank you. Um, on Facebook, I am Pamela Windle, hormone vitality and health. Um, my uh, website, which there's lots of resources on there, loads of blogs about all sorts to do with hormones and health. Um, you can also download a free hypnotic recording, which I wrote for the perimenopausal woman. Um, and also there's um, a webinar that I did that you can download as well for free that talks about perimenopause. So it talks a bit more about what we spoke about today. Yeah. Um, so my website is Smarter Change, so smart as in setting goals, but smarterchange.co.uk. Uh, so but if you put my name into Google Pamela Window, you'll find that anyway. Um, so I work with clients at the moment. I'm work, I work with clients one-to-one -one only, but coming very soon <laughs> in the new year. Um, I'm going to do a, a group online program for ladies nice. um, so you can work with me further feel so when I work with clients one-to-one -one, I do them face-to-face -face or online so we yeah. do a video call as well um, trying to think is there anything else oh yeah I do retreats as well nice. um, locally and we're going to South France next year very so, nice yeah very very nice i will put links to all those social media things into the show notes so that people can just find them really easily from there so that they can connect with you but i want to thank you so so much for your time on the podcast today it has been amazing speaking to you and i'm sure that everybody listening has got a million questions as i know i have <laughs> so um yeah thank you so much for being on the podcast today you're welcome thank you How amazing was that interview with Pamela? Her knowledge is absolutely phenomenal. I've got so many more questions and so much of the stuff that she said, I, I'm going to go away and Google and get more information on. So I really hope that you found that useful. And if there is anybody that you know that should hear this podcast, please share it with them. If you have loved the podcast, pop on to SoundCloud or iTunes and give us some, some love, some five-star reviews. And remember to subscribe if you haven't already so that you never miss out on another episode. So until next time, see you later.